Welcome to the Move to Heal Project podcast. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Kayla. I'm sitting here with my beautiful friend, Sam, and we're here to talk to you a little bit about freedom in regards to mental health today. Before we hop into the topic, I'm just really, really hopping into the topic right now. I'm just jumping right in, but to provide a little bit of context on Sam and I, well, first Sam, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. So happy to have you. For everyone that is listening and wondering how we knew each other, we actually met, I think it was 14 years ago at a bar <laughs> in my hometown, our, our hometown. Yeah. yeah. So we met many, many, many moons ago at a bar on a bar patio, I think, and just continued to stay in touch from there. And it's been really exciting over the years just watching you grow and thrive and explore. And I just feel so honored that you're taking the time to chat with me today on this particular topic, a topic that is very close to my heart. Um, but before we, before we dive in to freedom and mental health, do you want to share a little bit about where you are now? Maybe a little bit about the work that you do, where you currently are in the world, whatever you'd like. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for the intro. Yeah, so I guess since we last saw each other technically back 14 years ago <laughs> on uh, <laughs> the patio at McGettigan's or something, uh, my life has kind of taken me on a few different paths. So in 2009, I moved to London, England, and I stayed there for eight years. After living there and working in PR, doing beauty PR for a variety of different companies, I was headhunted by a brand in Dubai and I worked there for two years. At that point, I kind of felt like things were not working for me the way that I wanted them to. I wasn't really fulfilled in my career. I was also itching to travel a little bit more. I think a lot of people had this opportunity to go backpacking and see Asia and do all of these like, you know, six month, one year long holidays. And I'd never really had the opportunity to do that. I had traveled pretty extensively when I was in Dubai and when I was in London, but actually taking an extended period of time off was something I never really had the freedom to do before. So I decided that after two years in Dubai, I was going to put my notice in at my job. I was going to save enough money to just travel for six months, go through Africa and Asia by myself with my backpack. And I did that for the most part. I only lasted four months, to be honest, before I got a bit bored. I think backpacking when you're 33 is a bit different <laughs> when you're backpacking at 23. So I did that and I really enjoyed it. And in that time, I actually decided with a friend of mine who I worked with at, um, at the company in Dubai was that we would actually come together and bring our skills together to start a company. And in doing so, she is actually South African, but lives in Namibia. So when she and I decided to start this company together, it made sense for her and I to be on the same time zone. And at that point, I had just been traveling a whole lot. I didn't really have a home. I didn't have anywhere to call my home anymore. Canada is always home, but I didn't really have like residency anywhere anymore. So I packed my stuff and I came to Namibia and I'm staying with her here in her house. So that's where I am now. And she and I work together kind of as digital nomads. And we just kind of travel through Namibia. We work, we have clients who are in Australia, Dubai, the United Kingdom and the United States. So that's where I am. I love that so much. Do you want to let people know where they can contact you if they're interested in working with you virtually? 
Yeah. Um, So a lot of the work we do is really thought leadership. So we work with a lot of people who are founders, they are CEOs, they are entrepreneurs. And if they're looking for any kind of personal branding, that's kind of our bread and butter. And we do it through a thought leadership kind of lens. So we'll create uh, really intriguing LinkedIn content for our clients. That's kind of the main thing that we'll do for them. So uh, we do that. We do a lot of podcasting. So we will pitch our <laughs> pitch our clients to be on podcasts if that's of something of interest and then yeah absolutely get in touch you can follow me on instagram it's at underscore samantha wilkins underscore or at talent and truth which is the name of our company yay love that. thank you for sharing what's brought you i was gonna say here but you're not in toronto <laughs> you're in Namibia. <laughs> this is a really great segue because it's been so great watching the way your life has unfolded. And I think I was saying this to you before we got on the call, but I've just always felt drawn to exploration and drawn to exploring my own freedom, my own sense of agency. And I know that that's something that you felt as well. And that's why I just felt you were the perfect person to bring on to the podcast today to chat a little bit more on that. To scale back a little bit, so to go back to sort of the beginning of your traveling, can you take us back to your London move? I think when I met you, maybe it was a few years before you moved to London, but if you feel comfortable sharing, what brought you to London? How long were you there? How did things begin to change for you in the day-to-day from what you had previously been living or working? you want to walk us through that London move? (laughs) Definitely. Um, So it's quite an interesting story. Uh, So back in 2004, I met a guy on the internet, which was long before it was normal or socially acceptable to meet people from so far away. So not only was he on the internet, but he was in England and I was in Canada. So we chatted for a year before I actually flew to England for the first time. I was 17. And I flew there to meet him and it's my second time on a plane. I had never like met him. We'd, we'd spoken on the phone, obviously, like once before we had a webcam and we had MSN conversations and that kind of thing. So I just felt really drawn to him and me going there to meet him for the first time. It just felt right rather than him coming to Canada and kind of staying with my family. He lived alone and it just felt like a better option. And I also wanted to see a different place of the world. So I did that. Luckily, things went well. And we decided to continue with a long distance relationship. So I came back to Canada, and we continued a long distance thing for another three years. During that time, we decided that I would move to London. Then once I graduated, I was currently at WLU. And so I graduated in 2009. And at that point, moved to the UK. And I was lucky, though, I'd say because in that time when we were long, like dating long distance, there was a lot of back and forth with me going to London and kind of having a gradual introduction to the city. So I didn't just travel there once and then kind of move there and, you know, up my things. I think I'd been four times before I was like, right, I can see myself living here. This is like a really nice place. So we did that. I lived there with him for four years before he and I split up. And that was in 2012, actually, when we broke up. And I would say like 2013 was probably the most transformative time. Just for background, I ended up staying then for another four years after we broke up. So it was eight years in total. So it's kind of like the first four years is like before Sam. And then (laughs) the next four was kind of like the transformation. 
creation or the becoming of. So the next four years, I'd say from 2013 to 2017, when I was there, were probably the most formative years and probably like the the time in my life where I felt like I really kind of became myself and was able to to reflect on just what it was I liked about myself. And you talk about this, um, you know, self-agency and just really understanding who you are, what it is you like. And I think when you're in a relationship for so long, it can become blurred and really misunderstood about what you want as an individual and not what you like as a couple and you know kind of going from like the we like to I like so in that time uh, the thing that really kind of saved me was the fact that I discovered the gym (laughs) and it kind of came about in a really roundabout way and came from a place of unhappiness a hundred percent it came from the fact that I was living now in a shared flat with like a bunch of people who I didn't know didn't particularly like them I wasn't happy with like the breakup and how things had gone it wasn't my choice so when I moved in with these people I was really like I don't want to come home every day after work like I literally want to like spend the day at work work until like 9 p.m and like crawl into my bed and cry and like never have to see anyone and of course that wasn't feasible (laughs) so (laughs) what I thought to myself was like what can I do that you know I can literally not have to be home until 9 p.m. Where can I go after work that's like socially acceptable and will kill a few hours of time? And for me, that was going to a gym in London and I was lucky it was just under my apartment. So I started going there every single day after work as an escape. And I went, I never thought I was a runner. This was the funny thing. So I'd go to the gym and I was like, I'm not a runner. I don't know how to run. And it turns out I did know how to run. I just had a lot of fat on my body and I didn't have enough muscle to actually carry myself. So after a number of months of just going to the gym and like doing like weightlifting and all this sort of stuff, I decided I was like, I'm going to jump on the treadmill and I'm going to actually see like, am I a runner? And it turned out I was like, I actually like I got on and I ran my first 5k like that night. And it was like in 30 minutes, it's a pretty decent time for like a first timer. I was like, I'm actually pretty strong. And that to me kind of opened up this new window then of like running and fitness and realizing my own strength, I suppose. Um, So yeah, I mean, I loved it. The funny thing is at the same time, Lululemon was actually coming to the UK. So for any Canadians out there, like this was pretty monumental because as a Canadian in London, I feel like I had a lot of like ownership. I had a sense of ownership for the fact that this Canadian brand was coming and I had to introduce all of my friends to it. And if you've ever been to a Lululemon store, you know that they offer in-store yoga classes every Sunday morning. And it was no different. So when they opened their London store, the first one, it was like a tiny little store on the King's Road. And I was like, right, well, they're going to be doing yoga every Sunday morning. I want to be a part of this. I want to meet more Canadians. It's going to be amazing. I want to bring all my British friends so they can experience the Canadianness of this. And that unlocked, I would say, like a three-year journey of like doing yoga for free in Lululemon classes every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But it was great. And I think that for me was kind of the first establishment of like a really healthy routine where every Sunday morning I would get on my bike, I would cycle down to the Lululemon store, I would do the yoga class, I would go for a coffee. I would meet a friend, go for a walk around the park, and then I would cycle home. So without it even feeling like exercise and feeling like something that was forced upon me, it was a very natural, very organic thing. And just something that became a part of who I was. And I think you've alluded to the fact that that was kind of the the point where you noticed a transformation in me. And I think a lot of people did. And I think that was kind of my coming of, of Samantha, if you will. 
Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think life will bring us situations that introduce us to who we really are, or Mm -hmm. will bring us opportunities to explore ourselves in maybe a little bit more depth. And, you know, it's it's our decision if we want to take them or not. But I also am a firm believer that, and this is from my own experience, that maybe the same situation will keep presenting itself until we say yes. <laughs> but yeah. it, it seems like, like what a crazy, beautiful story, I think. I mean, amidst, you know, this, this pain and of, of heartache, it kind of opened you up to what does self-care look like? What do I want? How, you know, can I move in a way that makes me feel joyful? And then also opened you up to different communities. And mm-hmm. that's what gets me really excited. <laughs> yeah. When I chat with people on the podcast, you know, and this is this is why I created the Move to Heal project. Like movement is healing, but the communities, the communities where we move together are especially healing. I've met so many wonderful people through yoga classes boxing classes, any kind of fitness class, really, like there's so many here in Toronto. And I, I just noticed that in your story, like there's so many beautiful themes here, like the expiration of agency, but then also kind of like an introduction to these new communities that you didn't have access to before. The communities were always there. And I think when I was in a relationship, I didn't explore them. You know, Lululemon didn't bring yoga. Yoga had been around, obviously, for, for years right. and years. There tons of studios I could have gone to. But I think the timing of it was serendipitous in that he and I had just split up and then Lululemon was coming to the United Kingdom. And that, to me, it just kind of felt like that safety zone where it was like, well, I've been to Lululemon. I know I've done like a few yoga classes. Like I know that it's going to be mostly Canadians and it'll be a nice opportunity for me to meet people. And, you know, I wouldn't say I lost a lot of friends in the breakup, but I did lose his circle of friends when that happened. So naturally I had fewer people to kind of spend time with maybe at the weekends or after work. So finding, you know, those people who I could relate to in a different way. And, and to this day, I still have some of like my, my best friends are people who I met in those classes. And as you say, like fitness communities are incredible. Like they, they, truly operate like families. It's, it's unreal. I think too, and I might be biased from all my time working at SoulCycle, but I also think that there is a certain type of magic that's created when you move together. Like when you're moving in sync with one another, there's some, there's a different energy that happens in, in the room. And I think that's one thing in quarantine that I've really been missing that feeling of sharing a space and then moving together, sharing energy. I don't know where I was going with that thought, but important to bring that up because especially because of the global climate right now, I think if you're listening and you're feeling feeling alone or missing, you know, those connections, you're not alone in that feeling. <laughs> now with the with the breakup, would you say that was the catalyst that kind of introduced you to a new way of living or was that need to explore, you know, your own sense of agency or need to explore your own freedom always inside you? Or maybe what, was it a mixture of both? No, definitely the catalyst, which is funny because I think if people meet me now, they wouldn't believe that. But I think the me in 2012, when we split up, I was never in a position where I was thinking like, 
who am I? You know, what do I want? I was yeah. truly, I felt like a bit like a Stepford wife when I, when I think about who I used to be. But at the time, it, it was very much like, well, what will Mark and I do together? And we will move to Canada and Mark will be the breadwinner and I will probably get married and probably have kids. And without actually putting a lot of thought into these things, it was mm -hmm. just almost like, well, that's what's expected. And that's what we'll do because that's, what's, that's what normal couples do. And I don't remember at any point ever stopping and thinking like, is this actually what I want? And that moment didn't happen until after we split up. And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to date people, if I'm going to go on Tinder, and if I'm going to, you know, spend time with humans, like, who do I want this male human to be like, you know, and then that was the point that I was like, okay, well, I didn't like this about my ex-partner, but I did like this. Okay, so what do I like? And it was, it's actually like, as like simple as that, where like, it had never occurred to me before. And then it was like, okay, well, I like laughing and I like when someone's funny and you know, he didn't do this enough or he did this too much. So it was, that was my moment where I was actually able to think about, okay, what do I like? What do I like? Where do I want to go? Where do I see my career going? And then actually having to take responsibility for my career. He worked in finance, naturally earned a hell of a lot more than someone in like an entry level PR job did. Mm -hmm. So there was also that push where it was like, well, where do I see myself? Because if I'm now on a single income in a foreign country, I have no one who I can like rely on to support me now. If things go tits up, like this is on me. So there were a lot of opportunities for me to actually sit back and reflect and be like, right, what do I want for my career? What do I want for my life? Like, what do I want in my next partner? Like, where do I want to go after the UK? Because my life in the UK was tied to him. You know, and at that point when we broke up, I had been there for four years. If I stayed for five, I was eligible for British citizenship. Mm. So to me, it was a no brainer. It was like, okay, well, I must stay at least for another year then get my British citizenship and then I can go wherever I want. And obviously I stayed for a little bit longer. And at the, at the time when I was actually looking to move on from the UK, I was looking for jobs in Copenhagen, looking for jobs in Berlin. These are countries in Europe where you can still go without having a second language. English is like the, the language that they, they use in the office. So I was looking there. And then at the same time, I had a message on LinkedIn from the recruiter at Huda Beauty, who basically was like, are you interested in a job in Dubai? So I was like, yeah, let's go. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it was like 100% the catalyst. And I actually worry for like my former self, what would have happened had we not split up? Because I wonder if at any point I would have actually thought long and hard about what it was I wanted for my future and for my life. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful now for where I am. And it, it's probably one of the things I'm most grateful for is that breakup because it did allow me to kind of step into my true self. And I think that's where I notice a little bit of my own story in, in yours in a, in a different kind of way, but similar. I went through a very challenging breakup in 2013 and essentially just, it turned my world upside down. But that being said, I mean, there was obviously like past traumas involved and like a resurfacing of trauma with losing someone I love. But all that being said, I really do feel like it pushed me into a new realm, a completely new realm of existing, of living. It forced me into therapy. Like I was so 
traumatized by how things unfolded. I ended up in therapy and began uncovering like past traumas that I just never really dealt with. And I now all these years later, look back at that time in my life. And I'm so actually thankful because I often think like, who would I be now? Where would I be now? I just didn't feel like a whole person back then, which is, it seems unfair to my past self, but I really was not a whole person. And I, I definitely feel like I'm living an unconventional life, but one that feels like me. I know that you probably feel the same about your own life where you just feel like you're in your own skin. <laughs> I was saying this before we hopped on the call, but I, I just feel a tremendous amount of affirmation when I look at your journey, just by being you, you affirm me to keep being me. So it's important to say thank you for that. I just went off on like a really long rabbit trail. But the point of me saying that was just <laughs> to say that there, there is a little bit of parallel in our stories. And I think a good way to go with, with those thoughts might be, and this, is a, this could be a heavy question, but with people that are listening in, and have never really had the opportunity to explore themselves in a different kind of way or in a, in a different kind of climate under new circumstances, what might you say to them? Or, or what might you say to someone who's maybe feeling a little bit stuck and wanting to explore more? Obviously, <laughs> on the notion that it is COVID right now, <laughs> it's like a weird time, but outside of those pretenses. Yeah, no, great caveats. Elizabeth Gilbert once said, and I, I think it was in a podcast who I love, and I think you love her as well. Mm -hmm. But she said something along the lines of like the most exhilarating part of taking a leap of faith is the leap itself. You know, it's like once you're on solid ground, like the fun is done, you know, you found your two feet again, and, and everything's great. But it's that moment when you jump and you decide to jump and you don't know when or where you're going to land. That's the most thrilling part. And what I would say to that is just choose curiosity over fear and just, yeah, explore things and just don't be afraid to do it. So whether it is traveling to a new country or, you know, whatever it might be, uh, quitting your job and exploring a new career path, it could be anything, but just don't be afraid to do it. And, you know, book the flight, introduce yourself to strangers, uh, just go all in because ultimately like it, it is scary when you're doing it. But I think the scarier thing is that if you continue to stay in this like stuck position that you're in, mm -hmm. you're going to feel worse off for it. And one of the things that I've been so grateful for and like in all of my times of like, you know, jumping and just kind of like taking chances and hoping for the best is that I've always had family members and friends who've supported me along the way. And what I will say is those friends and those family will still be there. Even if you like, if things go tits up and like, it's like, complete flop maybe you go traveling and actually you come back a month later and you're like it wasn't for me you know that's fine your life will still be there so it's you don't have to give up one to have the other I think there's there's a lot of compromise that can be made and I think you can you know make that decision and do it for as long as it feels comfortable for you but just know that like the people who support you will be there with open arms they'll be the ones waiting for you when you come back to the airport they'll pick you up, they'll be the ones to drop you off again. So that always has kind of kept me going and just knowing that I have unconditional love from people all around the world now from all of my friends and all my family. On that notion, I'm thinking about my own mom who I guess it, I don't know what year it was, but I just decided that I wanted to move to Whistler and it was so fast. I think I 
I must have quit my job on a Monday, bought the ticket and left on the Thursday. And I was living with my mom at the time. And I called her into my room and I, I said, mom, come here. And she, she said, what do you want? And I said, um, I'm moving to Whistler on Thursday. <laughs> and she said, good for you. You know, my mom has always been supportive of my like randomness and need to travel and she's never judged me for it and always been really encouraging and I'm thankful for that. And I think uh, for anyone that maybe doesn't have a, a stable family, I, I friends are the family we choose. I've had friends pick me up from airports before, literally all over the world. I wanted to speak to that. I was going to say, it's so nice that your mom's been so supportive because I do think that that's a key driver in anyone's ability to like explore themselves. And I will say like, my mom has become far more accepting and supportive in time. She wasn't to begin with. <laughs> and I think it comes from the fact that I'm in, like, I'm the only girl and I'm the middle child. And when I told her I was moving to England, it was, I told her and I told myself and all of my friends that it was for two years and I've been gone for 12 now. So you can imagine that every year after the two years, it was like, well, when are you coming home? Well, Samantha, you said it would only be two years and now it's been two years and two months and now it's been two years and six months and now it's been three years and four and five. And I, I would say probably at like the five or six year mark, she was, she gave up then. <laughs> but there were a lot of times where she, and I, I won't say she wasn't supportive, but I could tell that it hurt her that I was not planning to come home as quickly as I had, had originally said I would. But now that I think she's fully accepted that I just kind of like I fly in and I fly out and I'm a bit like a butterfly that, you know, I can't really be caged in that sense. So I think she's proud of me and she's happy now, but there's certainly that element of grief when you're losing a child, you know, and I think particularly because I am the only girl and if I wanted to have kids, which uh, full disclosure, I don't, but I think at the time she didn't know that. And I, it's like that fear of, well, what happens then when she has kids in England and I never get to see my grandchildren, you know, and I think the life path that I've taken now is very much of, well, I live in Namibia or I live in Dubai or I live in England, but I, I can still come home regularly because I've carved out that freedom for myself. I don't have a traditional, you know, nine to five job where I have to put in holiday requests and that kind of thing. I can just come home as and when I please. COVID aside, obviously. So under normal circumstances, there is that freedom and I have the means to be able to come home and, you know, kind of fulfill that happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how like everyone's family is so different and everyone's experiences with their parents are different. And I mean, we were both, we're both from Kitchener Waterloo and it's a small town. I, I think my mom's encouragement with me traveling came from her own restrictions, like with her parents, like she is very much like a butterfly, like can't pin me down very all about like exploring and traveling and I, I think her parents told her no a lot. And I remember her saying to me once when I was younger, I just don't want to place those restrictions on you in regards to travel. She found these old slides from this one trip she had taken to Italy. And it was like, she put them in this, you know, a projector, I guess. <laughs> it was like a, something from like the seventies. <laughs> and we were looking through her Italy photos. And I remember thinking, um, oh, I need to. 
I need to do this. And uh, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, my mom, I think if I called her and said, Hey, I'm moving to Peru, she'd be like, okay, <laughs> see you over there. <laughs> you know? I'm not sure if I want kids either. And I, I don't know. I don't know if she, if it really matters to her as long as I'm, you know, taking steps to be happy, but yeah, my mom was the same actually. So when I first met Mark on the internet in 2004, there was an element of shame attached to this. So nobody knew, like even my closest friends, like no one had any idea that I was even speaking to this man. And I say, man, he was a year older than me. It wasn't that creepy, but I didn't want anyone to know. But of course, when it came to us wanting to meet, I was too young to have a credit card. I couldn't just use my debit card because this is the times when you had to use a physical credit card to book a flight. And I was like, well, I have to ask my mom then. So then I had to go to my mom and this is when I had to fess up to everything. And I was like, mom, like, can I borrow your credit card? She's like, well, what for? I was like, well, I'm going to book a flight to England. She's like, what for? <laughs> I was like, well, cause I met someone. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. And she's like, is it a man? I was like, yeah, it's a man. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, here you go. And gives me her credit card. And she had said after the fact, something to the point of like, cause I, I didn't date like a lot through like, uh, through high school because they also didn't know that for the last year I'd been talking to him. So my mom used to be like, Samantha, you should just go out and kiss some boys. And I was like, well, mom, I don't want to kiss any boys. Cause I had my internet boyfriend. So she, when she found out I was going to see a boy or a man, she was like, oh, well, that's great. Like, it basically means you're not a lesbian. Like, here's my credit card. Like, off you go. <laughs> like, she really didn't. Like, the way that you think most parents would be like, over my dead body, are you booking a flight to meet a stranger? <laughs> but she was like, go for it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I uh... I love that. You know, I, I'm not much of a, I was never much of a dater either, but I think just touching on that small town mentality, <laughs> that's one thing I love about Toronto. And I love, I love this about traveling too, is that it just opens your world up. I had a conversation once with this guy at a hostel. He was dating three men at the same time, polyamorous. Yeah. Polyamorous. I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I was asking him in this hostel, I don't know where we were, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because being from a small town, I had never really been exposed to that. Yeah. So we had this conversation and, you know, and then I went to a different place and met this other person who, you know, was with their husband for seven years and then met a woman while traveling and then left the husband for the woman. And my point is just like, I'm thankful for that exposure to other ways of thinking and not, th not to say this is not a jab to any small town living by any means. <laughs> My mom always said, you know, we think that the world is what's around us. And, mm. and that's why it's so important to travel because it really opens things up in a, in a different kind of way. And then as soon as you get to another country, you're like, oh, this is what the world is. Or like, this is what the culture is like here. And, or this is how people are loving each other. It gets me so excited. One thing I was thinking about just going back to the, that question about um, if someone's feeling stuck and to take that leap, which I completely agree with. And I also really love Liz Gilbert, like my true spirit animal. <laughs> okay. So I guess my next thought initially was, well, what if people 
actually can't. Maybe there's something that's tying them to a particular location for a particular amount of time. I don't know. But I have a friend in in Waterloo who is, she's a really good example of someone who emphasizes exploration like around where you are. And a good way of talking about this might be when I when I first moved to Toronto in 2013, I started to explore the city. And Toronto was something that, you know, I was familiar with. Like I always came here as a kid. We have family here. And it was the first time in my life where I thought, what about just directly exploring, like going to a new place in Toronto, going to a new beach, going to a new part of the waterfront. And it's so interesting because it's something I still do to this day. After all this time of living here, I'm still like, where can I explore? Obviously not now with COVID, but I mean, like, where can I explore today? Or where can I go to a a new place? And I think it's important to touch on that, to just uh, mention to anyone that's listening that I can't travel is encouraging that exploration of what's around you. And that could be exploring a new fitness class, exploring a new part of the city, exploring a new coffee shop, even exploring a new way to walk home, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, my friend in Waterloo does, does, excuse me, does a blog on this. Thoughts? Yeah, I'll take over. Um, It's funny you mentioned that because my parents are really big on like this, like exploring of, you know, Ontario, I suppose. And they recently found this company that creates like custom itineraries and you can buy them and it might be like, you know, show you all the different like vineyards or wineries or something that you can explore within like a weekend and just gives you the address and the directions from each one. Um, Might be like different cafes. If you're like really into coffee, it might be, I don't know, little craft stores and markets and that kind of thing. So you can just download these little itineraries and it literally just lets you explore, you know, for, it could be like a one day thing. It could be like a week long thing. And it's really nice tours, but I think that's a really nice idea. And I think it's a really valid point that you raise. I would also say like exploring yourself is important. And I know I'd mentioned to you earlier that like, I love personality tests personally, and I love the Enneagram and I love actually exploring other people's personalities to better understand how I can either work with them or uh, support them if they're like a, a certain type of personality that, you know, obviously I'm not. And if I can't quite work them out, then I'll ask them to take a personality test so I can just kind of understand them a bit more. So I think there's a lot to be said for like, you know, your own exploration and understanding who you are and how you can you know, maybe behave differently or better or with different other personalities. So I think there's lots of exploration that you can do without actually traveling to different countries. I think that's a great point. I just took the Enneagram for the first time this year. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Human design as well is something that I've been exploring a little bit. And I also really love astrology. I got my birth chart read, which was crazy. I did one of those (laughs) as well. They're fascinating, aren't they? I'm like, how does it know so much? Like, how is everything so accurate? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. based on, I think all I had to punch in was like my time of birth and where I was born and like, yeah. done. but yeah. it, it is fascinating stuff. And I do believe that there's a lot of truth in it. I don't, I don't feel like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think some of these personality tests are just spot on and they're so, so useful. I think for like understanding yourself and for understanding how you can, get the best out of the relationships that you have, particularly if you have a strained relationship with someone, understanding like what their personality type is to really kind of like 
dig a little bit deeper. In some ways it's like therapy, but just so you can understand, okay, they're reacting that way or they're responding that way because of this reason or because that's in their personality type and that personality type says that their deepest fear is this or you know that there are three pillars um, for happiness tend to be these three things and I think when you know that about someone you can really easily decipher better tactics for getting the most out of them and getting the most from that relationship. That's so true I think to tie into that as well uh, love languages is the love language book, I think is really great. For example, I score a zero in physical touch for love languages, but I'm (laughs) very high in thoughtful gifts. Like if that is is directly my love language, like if someone's like, oh, I I know that you really love plants. So I I found this and I know that green's your favorite color. So I put it in a green basket, you know, I'm in. But then if someone is like, oh, hug me, then it's a no. Get it, having an understanding of your friend's love languages, your love language can be useful for self-exploration as well. Yeah, that's so, so, so true. I'm really happy you brought that up as I was choking on my, (laughs) choking on my coffee. Last question. I did get a lot of pushback in regards to a lot of people saying, why do you travel so much? What are you running away from? To speak to my own experience quick, in the beginning, I was definitely running away. (laughs) Instead of feeling something, I just removed myself from the situation, literally, (laughs) and pretty quick found out that moving across the country, like doesn't eliminate emotions and feelings, like they just go with you. And then was kind of forced to deal with stuff in different locations. But that was a question I got a lot and was wondering if you've also gotten that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily, I don't think I've had it a lot. And I think when I am faced with the question, it often comes with an undertone, which is easily detectable as someone who's maybe unhappy or jealous. So it's never like, oh, like, what do you think you're running from? You know, which is like a, a kind question. You can ask me that. But I think when, when someone asks that question is like, a, oh, well, what are you running from? Then automatically you kind of feel like, okay, you're, you're coming at this from, from a different kind of space and maybe you're unhappy with your own choices, whatever that might be. But yes, I do get that question. And truthfully, I think I'm a little bit like you. I'd say I didn't start by running because when I, I moved to the UK, I had a purpose and I was moving for, you know, for love. So that was the reason. And I think maybe after that, I could have gone back to Canada, but I chose to continue moving and to kind of keep my life going. And, you know, I am your typical Enneagram number nine. So if anyone's familiar with that, I will go to any and all lengths to avoid discomfort, any unpleasant emotions. I don't want them. So (laughs) I like to keep harmony and I like to protect my inner peace. So a lot of my life's purpose is kind of like avoiding (laughs) difficult things, whether that's family drama, just like difficult situations that I don't really want to get involved with, things that will kind of like just, I don't know, rock my boat a little bit. If I don't have to deal with it, then I won't. And I think oftentimes like going to another country means that maybe I don't have to deal with those things. And, you know, some examples could be not having to maybe care for a loved one or for example, if they're sick you know, like, and that's awful, but actually like, I don't want the the responsibility of that because I don't know, I'm busy and I have other things to do. It sounds awful, but I will avoid doing things like that. Or maybe it's like attending family events, like every weekend, which like 
I'm not that keen on doing. So actually, if I'm in another country, then it means that I can avoid doing those things without having to hurt people's feelings, without having to say, oh, no, I'm really sorry, I can't come to your wedding. You know, at least I can say, well, actually, I live in a different country, so I can't come. So in a lot of ways, I think me being away can be a bit of like a protective mechanism for me. But ultimately, like the more I've traveled, the more it has literally become a part of who I am. And I, I love it. I love being away and I love being able to meet new people. As you said, Kayla, like, you know, different cultures and just understanding people. And you meet the most incredible people because when you're in a different country, you're often meeting people who are similar to you in the sense that like, they are also exploring maybe who they are. They're exploring a new chapter in their life. You know, they're open for adventure. They're open to trying new foods where you might not always find those kinds of personalities like in your hometown or if you stay in the same place. So I've just found that like the people who I meet when I'm in other countries, I typically have more in common with and I can have yeah. deeper, meaningful conversations with them in a way that I can't always do with people who haven't traveled quite as much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have met people while traveling that I feel like I've known my whole life. And it is because we share so many similarities that I might not share with people from my hometown. <laughs> what I was going to say was on the topic of removing yourself from certain situations and using traveling as a protective mechanism. And I think it's important to say like, sometimes that's okay. You know, like sometimes it is easier to get clarity on a situation by removing yourself from it. Sometimes it is easier to learn how to set boundaries with your family when you're not with your family. <laughs> and I think getting my birth chart read has helped me to understand myself in a different kind of way. My family ties like aren't very strong. There is a lot of trauma within my family. And so as a result, maintaining like family traditions isn't that important to me or showing up to family events like isn't that important to me as a result. And that's okay. You know, like it's okay for that to be my story. And it's okay if it doesn't look like someone else's. And it's okay if my best friend is really close with her family and like she needs to be at those events. And I think as I've gotten older and gotten more like self-exploration under my belt, I've started to really affirm that in my own life. And I've started to really work to not judge it. <laughs> And to just have that narrative of like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. It looks different. And this yeah. is my life. And these are the decisions that I've made. And I like them. And I'm not asking anyone else to make those decisions. And just, just like having that ownership around it as well. I, it sounds like you have complete ownership over the decisions that you've made. Mm -hmm. And I deeply respect that. And it takes a lot of time, I think, to get there. It takes a lot of self-exploration to get to that point where you can stand in the decisions you've made. Yeah, and I think you're right. And, you know, happiness comes from being at peace with the choices you've made. And I've had to make a lot of sacrifices, you know, when I'm living abroad. And what that means is I don't see my family for long periods of time. It means I don't have a stable place to call home. It means I don't invest in things like property. I don't have furniture. You know, I don't have material big things that someone of 34 years old generally has. So, you know, sure, I look at other people's lives sometimes and I'll think, oh, they have such a nice house or that's such a beautiful car. And, oh, I wish I could have really nice artwork and that sort of thing. 
But if I had all of those things, then it means that I wouldn't be able to have the sense of freedom that I have. So you really need to become comfortable, I think, with the decisions that you've made and not allow other people's life decisions or their material things to kind of cloud that judgment and the vision that you have for your own life. And I think self-acceptance of that is, is truly key to, to just feeling happy and fulfilled with everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. On the material topic, I have a friend and he really likes nice things. Condo's really nice. He always has really nice clothes, really nice watches. That's where he is currently finding, you know, his joy. And for me, I'm more about enriching experiences. But I I never want to say to my friend, you know, oh, that's not the way. Because maybe it is for him. Or maybe, you know, maybe his journey will take him somewhere different. But that's where he's at right now. And then who am I to say that's wrong? Because that's what feels right for him in that moment. I hope that I have people in my life that will continue to encourage me in nourishing and chasing, you know, those things that make me happy, you know, those enriching experiences. And I do, I do have those people in my life and I know you do as well. But yeah, just on that self-acceptance around it, I think is very, uh, very important and very beautiful. I just think it's been so wonderful chatting with you about this. I don't know that we've ever sat down and really talked about the last 14 years. (laughs) We have not, but no, it's been so, so nice. And thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I don't generally talk about this with full audiences of people. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Are you a Scorpio? I'm not. I believe we are both Geminis. Oh, no, I, I, I feel like I did know that. I feel you like are you a Gemini, right? <laughs> I am a Gemini. <laughs> Gemini, Gemini rising, lots of air in my sign. This also makes sense because Geminis are like, Ooh, they're the, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm learning about this. They're like the gatherers of information. I feel like I can't meet enough people and I feel like I can't read enough. You know, I'm just always like, give me more. <laughs> it's funny because I have a lot of Gemini friends. And generally when I, I feel attracted to somebody, they're either going to be a Gemini, a Cancer, a Sagittarius. Like I can count, like, like I, if I have 30 friends, like 10 of them are like Gemini, 10 are Cancer, 10 are Sagittarius. Like the rest of the star signs, I clearly want nothing to do with you. <laughs> like, um, I actually have one Leo friend as well. That's so funny because I find I'm very attracted to Taurus and Scorpios. And I think it's because of the secrecy of a Scorpio and the grounding of a Taurus. So much of my sign is air. I like maybe seek out that grounding in other people. But whenever I meet another Gemini, I always like them right away. Right? (laughs) You can't not. Right? (laughs) We're so fun. Everyone likes us. On that that note, saying goodbye to everyone that's joined us and I'll make sure Sam to link all of your contact information in the notes just so people have a way of connecting with you on socials and outside of that thanks so much for tuning in and for listening and then we'll see you again soon